Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with freedom through faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. When we went into Iraq through Kuwait, we had such a dramatic victory. In something like less than 100 hours, we had driven the Iraqi army out of Kuwait. Some generals wanted to go all the way to Baghdad. Just knock Iraq completely back into the 17th century. George Bush, the president at that time, Bush won, said, no, 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 let's stop right here at the borders. We accomplished our mission. And ten years later, we were back, fighting the same people that we had on the run. And during that ten years, they equipped themselves and built up their defenses. Oh, well, we got Saddam Hussein. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Because he was despicable, evil, the Hitler of our day. And God was not going to allow that to prosper. But instead of going in, wiping that nation out, we decided to fight a political war. You can't shoot these people. You can't shoot over here. You can't bomb over here. Uh, You can only fire... You know, when fired upon, you can only go over here. This area over here is off limits. And instead of wiping the nation out and then helping them to obtain freedom, oh, but we did that, Brother Bob. We got them free elections and all that. But you didn't wipe out the enemy. You're trying to accommodate the enemy. Well, they need their representatives in this new government too. And now, all the gains we had from our military in Iraq are gone. Every one of them. ISIS is now on the move. ISIS sworn to wipe out the United States of America. They are sworn to wiping out anything and anyone that opposes Islam. Their goal is total world domination. Now, when Adolf Hitler did the same thing in Germany, the world united came against him and wiped Germany almost completely off the map. But, Brother Bob, all these innocent people would die if they did that. Are they innocent people? 
Yes, they may be oppressed. Yes, they may be under the thumb of these oppressive regimes. But if the people would unite and stand up against them, they would conquer them. But because they still worship a false god, this false god, Satan, wants the most evil, repressive people he can get to be in power. And that's what you are seeing with ISIS. Is the worst, most despicable people on the face of this planet that deserve eternity in hell. But you know what? God can still save them. I just read an article maybe two days ago about a Muslim man from ISIS who was killed in a battle. Can't remember the name of the town, but he was killed. And Catholic priests went out after the battle and they were gathering up the dead and they were going to take and bury them and, and you know, do that. As they were bringing him back to where they were located at, were getting ready to bury he came back to life. He'd been dead something like, I guess, a couple hours. And he recounted how he had been in uh, an area where he was thought he was going to heaven. He believed, as the Muslims do, that if he died as a martyr in battle, the gates of heaven would immediately open to him and he'd be welcomed in by Allah. He's seen the gates of heaven. But these imps had grabbed him and was dragging him towards these eternal flames of hell. And the power of God stopped him before he got to hell. Stopped these imps and said, If you'll believe, I'll let you make the choice. If you'll believe, I'll let you go back and you'll have another chance at life. True life. Because you failed in this life. And he agreed. And that's when he woke up. As they were about to bury him. They were prepping him for burial. He woke up and then retold this story. And in doing that, he became a Christian. He got born again. You see, they're so deceived, these Muslims are so deceived, they actually believe when they die, they will get 72 virgins if they die in battle. Amen? Well, the question is, what did these virgins do to deserve having to serve them for eternity? Amen? What did they do? They believed the lie. They believed the lie. Well, Brother Bob, what if they never heard the gospel? Well, number one, yes, there may still be people who are falling in that category, but they're becoming far fewer in number than what they were 50, 60 years ago. Today, almost everyone has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just refused to believe. The Apostle Paul says, even if someone has never heard the gospel, they can see God in nature and know right from wrong. They know what's right. They know what's wrong. And they made a conscious decision to follow a lie. Therefore, their destiny is an eternal damnation, separated from God. Our job is to get the gospel to them. That's our job, to preach the gospel into all the earth. Amen. That's the Christian's job. 
If you're not doing that, you are failing at your job. I'm not saying you're going to hell for it. However, there are many, many churches today that are not preaching the gospel. Oh, they say all the right things. They'll say, you know, we love Jesus, and probably, yes, they do. They'll say, we are reaching the lost with the word of God, which they may be trying to do. But it's an an adulterated, non-power-packed word that they're preaching. This purpose-driven church stuff you've heard me preach against. Taking the cross off the walls so you don't offend anyone when they come in. Having a darkened theater-type setting in church so that people can relate to it because they're used to going out to nightclubs. Having, I can't say ungodly music because supposedly it's Christian-based, but a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Lord? A modernistic approach to worship instead of true worship. You know, the head-banging music and all that stuff. Worship services that drag on for 35, 45 minutes, and then you give the pastor 20 minutes to preach. Oh, Brother Bob, we want to enter into God's presence through our worship. So therefore, we focus on worship so he can hear our prayers. And then, you know, we, we have a word from him as taught by our pastor. Yeah, but the, the preaching is not power-packed. That's one of the main problems in the church today in the United States. You're too accommodating to people. You let them bring lattes into a sacred environment. Let them bring food into the sanctuary. You go through these things, and you add them all up. You don't want to offend anyone by preaching against the things we just talked about, sexual immorality, homosexuality, ungodliness in public office. You know, Do the right thing in business. Do not borrow. Be a lender. Do not borrow. Well, how can you be a lender and not have people borrow? They're, the, we covered this before, too. He's not saying it's a sin to borrow money. He's saying it's better if you are a lender and not a borrower. Amen? Because what does the Bible say? The borrower is servant to the lender. Amen. When an invitation is given in these churches, they don't ask people to come down to the front to be prayed for. They let them check the block on a little index card and toss it into the offering plate. Oh, I checked my block. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven now. They haven't been prayed for. Oh, the pastor may give up and give a generic prayer. Bless you, my children, who have accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior this day. And some of them probably truly are saved. But has there been a life-changing conversion? Because do they go home now, from what they've seen, you're playing this rock and roll, Metallica-style music that goes on forever and ever in a nightclub setting, minimalist preaching of the gospel, you're more concerned with what the Bible says about how to be a good parent rather than how to be a good citizen of the kingdom of God. You don't 
bring people down to the front and pray for them so you can demonstrate the power of God's Word, the authority of God's Word, where people are miraculously healed in front of the whole congregation as a witness to the power of God and the authenticity of His Word. You don't do those sorts of things because you don't want to offend anyone. Folks, I go out of my way to offend you. <gasps> Brother Bob, why, why did you say that? Remember what I read in Ezekiel? That's my calling. Thus saith the Lord. Whether you want to listen to it or not, I will say, thus saith the Lord, and I will back it up with signs following. Hallelujah. Jesus will back up the words I say. He's done it before. And he'll do it again. He never stops backing up his word. I don't care if it's a five-year-old who stands in faith on his word. That five-year-old, I have documented evidence where I have heard testimonies verified by doctors and the people it happened to that a five-year-old would pray for an adult. The adult would be healed because the five-year-old prayed in faith. Childlike faith is, is what Jesus said we need to have. Amen? Glory to God. That's available to us. What you just seen, well, where God appeared to Solomon. Amen. And said, whatever you ask, I will do. Because you prayed this type of prayer. Amen. And uh, 1 Kings 9 says, The Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, just as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And he said, I've heard your prayer that, that you made this day. And I will do what you've asked me to do. And I'll put my name there forever. Well, what was the prayer he did in Gibeon? That's over in uh, 1 Kings 3, verse 5. I'm going to go quickly now because we're starting to run out of time. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You shown unto my servant David, my father, great mercy according as he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. And you've kept him, or you've kept for him this great kindness, and you've given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you've made me sir, your servant, king, instead of David my father. I'm just a little child. I don't know what to, how to go out or come in. It says, I don't know how to rule this people. I don't know what to do. He says, uh, verse 9, Give therefore your servant an understanding heart in order to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad. For who's able to judge this, your people, such a great people? Verse 10, And the speech pleased the Lord, as Solomon asked him this thing. And God said to him in verse 11, Because you've asked this thing, and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked riches, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself understanding to discern judgment. I have done according to your words. I have given you a wise and an understanding heart, and there will be none like there was none like you before you, nor will there be after you. And I've also given to you that which you have not asked for, riches and honor. So there shall not be any among the kings like you all of your days. Because he sought God with his heart. And he said, God, give me wisdom and understanding that I may accomplish the purpose of his office, basically. 
to be a blessing to the people. And God said, because you asked this, I've given that to you. And I'll give you riches beyond measure as well. I'll give you favor and right standing beyond measure as well. So that all the people of the earth will know you serve me. That's basically what he's saying. You see, the United States of America was in that position for almost 50 years, 40 plus years. Until we decided... We, the people of the United States of America, decided we don't need God. It's been a gradual fall ever since then. A small group of people decided our generation doesn't need God. We can find him ourselves, And thus began the hippie generation of the 60s. We need love with each other. We don't need to love God. They stopped going to church. They stopped paying taxes. They stopped serving the government. They stopped believing the government. They stopped serving other people and became self-absorbed with self-pleasures. And a whole generation was like that. God brought judgment as a warning through the Vietnam War and we ignored it. In the 70s, we started focusing on wealth and prosperity. And he brought a recession, brought the oil crisis, the Arab oil crisis. Then in the 80s, he allowed us to prosper. But a lot of that prosperity was in the form of debt. And he said, do not borrow. But we ignored his word. And another generation was brought up saying, we can do what we please. We'll borrow money and make money doing it. We'll invest this money. We'll borrow money at low interest rates, invest it, and get a higher return. And they did for a time. I can remember the 1980s where interest rates went up to like 17 18% for the prime. Credit cars were, were like 28 30 32%. Mortgages were 17%. If you got a 15% interest rate on a mortgage, you were doing good. And then we had the financial crisis. I believe it was 1988. Stock market crashed. Then it started to recover again in the 90s. And I don't have time to go into it, but every one of these things were preceded by our leadership in the United States speaking out against the nation of Israel when these calamities occurred. And there are natural calamities as well. Hurricane Katrina, I'm firmly convinced, was a judgment by God on this nation. Hurricane Katrina... Began, it didn't come across the Atlantic Ocean like 90% of the other hurricanes. It formed in the Gulf of Mexico. Normally when these hurricanes form in the Gulf of Mexico, they're minimal hurricanes by the time they hit land. This one stayed in the Gulf of Mexico and just kept circling and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. It formed on the exact day that the United States was pressuring Israel to give up the Gaza Strip. On the last day that Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip under the pressure of the United States, 
Hurricane Katrina formed. This was under George Bush II's leadership. The exact day that they pulled out of Gaza, Hurricane Katrina formed in the Gulf of Mexico. And it hit New Orleans, Louisiana on the exact day they were going to host a gay pride, uh, like national conference of gay pride people in New Orleans. When the stock market crashed in 2008, the biggest stock market crash up to that date, it fell and it wiped out, by the way, it wiped out billions of dollars from the economy. And it fell 777 points. 777. The number of man is 666. The number 777 means the completeness of God. And that fell 777. 777 points. It was almost like God was signing his signature to the crash of the stock market as a warning to this nation. I believe 9-11 happened as a sign and a warning to this nation. God withdrew his hedge of protection and allowed the enemy to come in and wipe out the two, well, they attacked the two biggest things as the pride of this nation. Those twin towers, which represented our economic power, and the Pentagon, which represented our military power. Enemies of this nation attacked on one day. Successfully attacked on one day. And thankfully, we have not had any outside terrorism attacks since then because God just lowered a hedge of protection for a minute as a warning, just like he did ancient Israel when he allowed uh, the northern kingdom to be invaded by the Babylonians, I believe it was. As a warning to the southern kingdom, it still had the temple. But they ignore God's warnings. They believe because the temple is here and God said he would have his name there forever, we're good to go. God will never attack, allow anyone to attack successfully this nation. And that's the same arrogance we hear in the American leadership today. This nation is so great that we got it made. God is with us. He may be with us, but he is not to be mocked. Every time a nation mocks God, judgment follows. And if he withdrew his love, well, his love was there, his protection from Israel, and allowed them to be overrun by their enemies, the nation he loved, what makes us think America is any better and deserves any better? Because we don't. Now there is hope. The blessing that God gave to Abraham belongs to us. As we get ready to close, Galatians 3, chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We didn't have time to get into Deuteronomy 28. I recommend you go read it from verse 15 to the end. It talks about how God will curse a nation. And the levels of judgment that occurs. Just what we've been talking about. Go read it. Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 61. But God has redeemed us from the curse through Jesus Christ. 
as Jesus was made a curse for us, for it's written, Curses everyone that is hung on a tree. And verse 14, So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, those who did not have a covenant relationship with God. That's us. That's the United States. We did not have a covenant relationship with God, but because of the blessing that God promised Abraham that through his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We stood upon the promise that the seed of Abraham was fulfilled in Christ Jesus who died as a sacrifice for our sins. The sins of us individually and collectively as a nation. That as long as we believed that and prayed that and lived that out in our life, God would bless us just like he blessed Abraham. And he would. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith in what God said. Amen. In Galatians uh, where am I? 4, verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. We pray. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray... Father, may thy kingdom come. This is in reference to the Jerusalem which is above, that it may come down to earth. It's getting closer and closer in the Spirit every single day. Because when it comes, that's when Jesus steps from his throne to the earth for the second time. And it's not going to be pleasant. He came last time as a lamb, offering himself on the sacrifice as a sacrifice on the altar of God. When he comes again, he's coming as a lion. The Bible says his word that goes out of his mouth will be like a sword that devours his enemies before him. He is not going to be happy when he comes back. The only thing that will stop you from receiving the judgment when that day comes, the Bible clearly says we can escape it through the rapture. And the only way you can do that is by accepting Jesus as your Savior. Will you pray that prayer with me right now? Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me, Lord. I may have known this, but I've forgotten. I ask you, Lord, to renew my mind, renew my spirit. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Create in me a new man, one that loves God. And one that loves you. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash away all my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And Father, I thank you for providing the sacrifice of Jesus for me. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. I said I'd go back to the book of Revelation as we finished. Book of Revelation, chapter 22, says in verse uh, 10, And he says to me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Study the book of Revelation. Look at what's coming upon America and the whole world. Verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let him that hears say, Come. Let him that is thirsty come. And whosoever will. Let him take the water of life freely. That's what we just offer to you.
If you prayed that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org and let us know. We want to rejoice with you. And verse 20, He which testifies these things saith, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the broadcast this day. We thank you your word has gone forth and accomplished what you please and prospered where you send it. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. Be blessed, folks, in all you do. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.